0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Guppy freeland joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Well, we've got another awesome show lined up for you guys for UFC Vegas 43. But before I get to telling you exactly what's in store for you, I first of all just wanted to thank all of our fans real quick. This is officially our 300th episode of Top Turtle MMA. We've had some bonus episodes and... All kinds of assortments of other stuff in there. But the 300th actual episode of the show, we wanted to thank you guys for sticking with us over the last six years. I can't believe I'm saying that. Six years worth of episodes. You guys have been great in allowing us to do what we love to do. So first and foremost, thank you guys. Now, let me tell you what we got in store for you yet again. I am interviewing two of the fighters on UFC Vegas 43. First, I'm talking to T-Rex Terrence McKinney. Who is getting ready to follow up his seven second knockout into his sophomore effort? And then I'm talking to Lupita Godinez, who is fighting for the third time in 43 days. It's an absolutely insane turnaround for her, yet again, on short notice. We'll be talking about all that good stuff. Plus, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is back. We're giving you the rundown on Misha Tate versus Ketlin Vieta, Sean Brady versus Michael Chiesa, Hanayaya, and Kyung Ho Kang. Plus our favorite underdog and parlay to play this weekend. So we're going to get you to all of that great material in just a moment. But first, let me tell you that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports gambling. Head on over to better than.vegas. From there, you can browse, search, follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there this week, you can catch my bonus pick, which is only available on the Top Turtle MMA page on Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and I am joined now by Terrence McKinney, who fights Faraz Zayim at UFC Vegas 43. That fight is on Saturday, November 20th. So Terrence, I, I want to take you through a little bit of your career here, because I- I'm looking back to 2019, which saw you lose to both Sean Woodson on the Contender Series. You lose to Derek Minner following that up. Then you miss all of 2020. Don't get to fight once in that. Then you have this year, this year where you have already won four fights. You spent less than two minutes in the cage, and you're about to get your second UFC fight. After 2019, did you ever imagine your 2020 would look like this?
1: Um, I knew I wanted to stay active this year, and I wanted, And I knew I was close because I just got a series, and I saw the guys that I lost to in the UFC were winning the UFC. So you know, it helped me stay in good spirit. It let me know I'm right there. I just got to make the necessary adjustment, and and I'm UFC quality.
0: And what did you feel like was one of those adjustments, right? Like, obviously, you know, it wasn't much. You were doing a lot of things right already. But what was one of those adjustments you felt like you need to make that brought you to where you are now?
1: Um, just being more humble and giving my opponents the respect. Um, and also me going up awake weight thinking about my health more than, like, how big I was at 45, you know.
0: And, and do you attribute, uh, out of curiosity, because it's not like you didn't have power down at 45, but do you attribute a lot of that, like, you know, uh, you, you've you got crazy power now at 55 where you're knocking dudes out with one punch constantly. Do, do you attribute that to the move up to 55?
1: Yeah, exactly. Because I was already kind of growing. So, like, 45 was, like, I could never get below, like, 146 any time I made it. it was like, I knew advanced, like, I'm not about to make this way, and then it happened sooner Su then I expect it. when I lost to Derek Minner, I was not about to make weight and I'm, and I'm glad we had decided to do a catchway there, like, Because like I was done that was the last five years ever i I knew right there I, I had to go up and is that
0: is, you you said that that you were growing is, is that just like the physical maturity of being a younger guy where you're you're still you know sort of growing into your body at that age, or is it was was it that you were making a conscious effort to bulk up to add more muscle or things like that?
1: Uh, no, I just really just got bigger out of nowhere, to be honest. I just <laughs> really started lifting, like, this fight camp. Wow, and, and, uh, so
0: that, that's, that's probably one of the first fighters I've heard say that. So you, you just started seriously lifting now. What, what led you to, to doing that?
1: Um, cause, I, um, when I went to the PI, they told me all the stuff that I need to do, and, and, I know this is my job now, so I took everything there, they, they, said to me and and I'm dialed in right now and I think you guys gonna get see the best version of Terrence McKinney uh this upcoming Saturday
0: well we we certainly are looking forward to it now I I got another couple questions for you because obviously your debut went better than anybody could have ever imagined you're in there for seven seconds you land a big knockout over a UFC veteran in Mafferbola like immediately after that what was it like as far as you know, people hitting you up, but uh, you know, Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts going nuts. Like, what what was it like for you to to deal with all of that for the first
1: time? Um, it was super dope, just because it was just super dope to see it at just a larger larger scale. Like, and even when I went to my, people recognized me. They recognized me in Vegas, and it just feels amazing. Like, and I'm just so grateful to God for it all, man. Like, it's been one of the coolest years of my life.
0: Well, yeah, and, and let's re- recap that year real quick, too. So, for for those who don't know and have only seen Terrence McKinney in the UFC, they see a seven-second knockout. But the last three before that were also ridiculously fast. Like I said earlier, four knockouts, and you've had less than two minutes of cage time. Now, obviously, that's ideal from a health standpoint, right? You're not in there taking punches nonstop for 15 minutes. But is it weird to you that you, like, haven't racked up very much cage time over the last 12 months?
1: Um. I, I used to do this in wrestling. Like, I don't feel like putting people in crazy speed. I just feel like God just made me a different breed, you know? I just have to be humble and be grateful of the, the talents he gave me and not take it for granted. And that's why I'm working as hard as I ever worked.
0: Well, I love that mentality. Now, I, I want to ask you a couple of questions about UFC Vegas 43. But, but before I do, I want to talk about somebody else's fight on UFC Vegas 43. You know, it's... It's sort of been well-documented on social media and a couple of media outlets have picked it up. Michael Chiesa was your high school wrestling coach and happens to be in the co-main event. C- can you share with us a little bit about what it was like when you found out you were going to be on the same fight card as is your old high school wrestling coach?
1: Oh, man, I'm so stoked, man. And It makes me want to perform like that much better, you know, because... Oh, everyone was just say growing up, you know, and I think I'm finally getting it, you know, and I can't wait to show people I'm a champion on and off the mat, you know, humble beast.
0: Absolutely. Now, I do want to ask too, you know, Michael Kiesa is a guy who's, you know, all over ESPN doing the desk work and stuff like that. You know, we've seen him on the Ultimate Fighter and things like that, but what was he like as a coach? What is he like as a guy who's who's in charge of your training and things like that?
1: Um, he's a good guy, he always held me accountable, and he, he shows me, showed me that you don't have to be the most talented guy in the world, like, if you work hard and put your mind through it, uh, anything's possible, and and he showed that when he won the Osmond Fighter show, and he's still showing it to his day, been top 10 in two-way classes, so.
0: I, I love it. That's a great message. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about this fight with Faraz Zayem. So Zayem is a guy who who's kind of known as a striker, right? Like he's a guy who's going to go in there and he's going to throw with people. Uh, and and I, I assume being that you're knocking guys out as quickly as you have, you, you run into a lot of wrestlers. Matt Favola was a guy who I think everybody thought was going to try to wrestle you had he been given more than seven seconds to try to do so. So when you get a name like Faraz Zayem, a guy who likes to strike, is that exciting for you a guy who wants to stand in front of you
1: yeah i'm excited about this man because i've been telling myself every day that i'm one of the best strikers in the world i just got to believe you know people don't understand the belief goes a long way you know like in the fight game you have to believe so that 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 one second of doubt could be the end of the fight
0: absolutely what a what a great message now again you know we we said he's a striker we said he likes to keep it on the feet do you expect him to stand in front of you very long you know i've I've heard you know guys who who are noted strikers in their own divisions guys like giga chikaze have told me that they they think once somebody feels them hitting them they're going to shoot a takedown do you believe he'll stand in front of you for the whole fight Uh,
1: i don't think so once he feels my power I know he's going to be he's going to be being a track star. <laughs> well,
0: and, and then I guess that, that brings me to my final question here. I usually like to ask my fighters before I let them go for a prediction. You said if he feels your power, he's going to turn into a track star. How, how many times does he have to feel your power before he meets the same fate as everybody else? Um
1: respectfully, I give him 2 minutes. Top. No disrespect. There's no disrespect to his skills or nothing. It's just that's just the kind of fire I am. I know I'm I'm gonna get all up in his face. Like that's what I do. I'm not a slow starter. And if he's backing up, we'll we'll take him down. We're not I'm not have to chase him across the mat. And he knows when if I take him down, he's not getting up. So like really, I don't know what he's gonna do. You know, and I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. This this kind of stuff excites me. Like like what is he gonna do?
0: Let's see well we're looking forward to seeing and once again fans this has been terrence mckinney who fights far as I at ufc vegas 43 that fights on november 20th terrence thank you so much for the time man i really appreciate it
1: hey no problem man the pleasure's all mine good speaking with you today and i'll see you guys this saturday
0: well we hope you enjoyed that interview with terrence mckinney i once again am daniel gonna really joined now by my co-host shockwave Dave dave The last few weeks, we have had some absolutely insane fights. We've had Max Yair this past weekend. We had Chandler Gaichi. We had sanhagen Jan. I mean, you could throw Covington versus Usman in there, or even Corintillo versus Burgos. So many amazing fights over the last three weeks alone. Which of those is leading the charge for fight of the year for you?
2: Wow, what a loaded question.
0: Um I found
2: Sanhagen, Jan, and Max Yair to be very technical and great fights, obviously. Um, You know, Yair had moments, but I more or less felt Max had it. And with Sanhagen, Jan, I I thought of the fight war on, war Jan. Uh, Jan proved to be the better fighter. Chandler Gaethje, to me, and now it's kind of comparing apples and oranges in a way because you're talking about three-round fights versus five-round fights. But for what it was in those three rounds, and that isn't to say that there wasn't a clear-cut winner because it was Gaethje, Um He he clearly won the fight. I just found that to be a little more
0: I'm getting out of my
2: seat being like, holy shit, what am I watching? So
0: I go Chandler
2: Gaethje. What about you?
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. I think that that one... I mean, like, when when I typically think of Fight of the Year candidates, don't get me wrong, I love a good technical fight. You know, I, I've liked some of the, you know, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway type fights or, you know, th- there are some in there like that. But that one is is one of those just, like, wars that, like, both guys look great in there. Both guys up their stock. It's a high-quality contest. There's probably a title shot on the line it's pure violence. Yeah, that one for me does it. I will also give an honorable mention in there too, though, to uh, to Quarantillo versus Burgos. I feel like doesn't get enough love in this because it happened right after Gay and Chandler. I think people. I don't think people were like even realized there was another fight happening, which is maybe the cruelest thing. Period. But like that fight too was insane. I think it's like has the same insanity factor of Chandler Gaethje, just like obviously none of the stakes, right? Like Burgos is number 14 and Quarantilla was unranked. So, yeah, I- I'm going to agree with you here. I think Chandler Gaethje is going to take fight of the year whenever they do announce it.
2: Yep, no arguments for me.
0: And hopefully we'll get a fight of the
2: year this weekend out of Michael Chiesa and Sean Brady, which is not the main event, but we'll get into that. Gumby, let's get into our favorite segment on the show. We're going to be breaking down that fight plus a whole lot more. It's fights, Dogs and Parlays for UFC Vegas 43. And I have to ask you if anyone sponsors this edition of fights, Dogs and Parlays for us.
0: Absolutely. Fight Dogs and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh so much more ditch that dirty jujitsu journal and get yourself maroon social wherever it is you download apps
2: all right so the main event is not going to be the best fight on the card though it does feature a legendary fighter on the female side of mma and that's misha tate and she's on a comeback trail here and she's taking on caitlin vieira misha tate the minus 120 favorite caitlin vieira is betting off at a plus 100. Now, Misha Tate, we uh, thought her career had ended. She lost her title to Amanda Nunes after it, winning it in thrilling fashion against Holly Holm all the way back in 2016. She came back later that year after losing the title to Amanda Nunes in 2016 at the first UFC card at MSG, very historic card, and lost to Raquel Pennington. You could even hear her in that fight talking to her corner saying, I just don't have it tonight. Very dramatic. She retired. And we did not see her for five years and now she's back. She's a mother now. I think she's a mother of two, if not at least one. Um, Yeah. She's a mother of two and she's back now five years off. She comes back and beats Marion Renault via TKO in the third round back in July of 2021 and is now charging towards a fight for the title, potentially a rematch with Amanda Nunes, who beat her for, her, her for the title originally, did Nunes before she went on the greatest run of all time in female MMA. Or, of course, if Amanda Nunes were to be upset by Juliana Pena, Misha Tate would be facing her one-time friend and training partner. So kind of interesting matchups. Should Misha Tate win here uh, and assume she will get a title shot off a win, but standing in her way is Caitlin Vieira, who's coming off a unanimous decision loss to Yanukudinskaya, she beat Sajara Eubanks before that, lost to Irina Aldana before that via KO, took a split decision win over Kat Zingano, um, has wins over Sarah McMahon, Ashley Evans-Smith. Uh, but if you want to just take it back the last few years, she's 2-2 two and two, and now betting off at a plus 100. Reasons to pick her here, Gumby, or are you going with the legend in Misha Tate?
0: So I, I, I'm glad you said all that stuff, first of all, about the storyline of Misha Tate, because I really think that's the reason this fight gets the main event over Brady versus Chiesa, because five rounds of Brady versus Chiesa answers a lot of questions about Sean Brady, uh, who I think is a contender, and we'll get into it in a second. But back to this one, reasons to pick Catlin Vieta. Yeah, I think there are a bunch of them. First of all, she's huge. She's a really, really big woman, and she hits really freaking hard. My only thing here, too, is is also, and this is probably why I'm just staying away from betting this fight at all, is there's so many questions surrounding what is Misha Tate at this stage in her career. And, yeah, did she come back and look pretty damn good? She did, but who did she come back and look pretty damn good against? And I, I think that's always kind of the question you got to ask yourself when somebody comes back and you're like, oh, they look like their, their old self, you know, like they look as good as they've ever looked or, you know, things like that. You have to ask yourself, like, Okay, but did they come back against the level of competition they normally do? And the answer is no, right? Like, Kevin Vieta is the, the level of competition Misha Tate was fighting before she left. You know, she wasn't fighting the, the Marion Renault's of the world, who who she did go in there and finish. So I am going to give her that. But there's just a lot of questions surrounding Misha Tate, which makes me not want to bet on her. That being said, I'm still picking her here because I think her boxing is faster And I'm a little bit worried about Ketlin Vieta getting countered in grappling exchanges and getting swept in grappling exchanges. Because if you go back to that fight she had with Yana Kunitskaya, she actually cost herself rounds in that fight with Yana Kunitskaya because of, like, just getting swept or just getting, like, you know, kind of pushed over in certain situations. And she winds up losing that fight. You know, she was probably moving in on a title shot, and then she does that. Kenwood Vieta is not the grappler Misha Tate is or ever was. So yeah, I'm going to go with Misha Tate. I think she's got enough advantages here. Um, But again, I don't feel super good about it because I just don't know what version of her we're looking at yet.
2: I think you nailed it perfectly. Um, I think Misha Tate wins this, but if she doesn't, I mean, you know, MMA is a young man and a young woman's game and I won't be surprised, but I will say, well, tinfoil hat conspiracy theory here. The UFC is providing Mish Tate with matchups they know oh, yeah. favor her. Yes, 100%. And Marion <laughs> Renault basically had one foot out the door, and Caitlin Vieira has a grappling problem. Mish Tate is a phenomenal grappler, and it's going to be – you know, for the casual fan, they won't care and it'll look great on a poster. Misha Tate tries to reclaim her title, basically feeding a lamb to the slaughter when she rematches against Amanda Nunes in the early part of 2022. But it's a money fight for Amanda Nunes, which she has been short on in this very brilliant run she's been on outside of, you know, destroying Ronda Rousey and then de- destroying Cyborg. Um, and I guess you could say, you know, there was a little momentum behind the bullet Valentina rematch. But other than that, most noon fights don't set the box office on fire. And I think the Misha Tate fight will at least garner some casual fan interest because it's Misha Tate. And we're going to look at it as we do as MMA nerds and analysts. And we're going to say, wow, this is like the worst run up to a title challenge, the what Misha had to go through is very far from, you know, what Max Holloway had to go through to get a title shot. <laughs> it's not reeling off 10 wins against the best of the best. She's reeling off two wins against really subpar competition. But you get the sense that that UFC marketing machine just really wants her to challenge Amanda Nunes for a title uh, early in 2022. So you mentioned it. Let's talk about it. I mentioned it. Here's the real main event of the card. It's Sean Brady, a minus 150 favorite to Michael Chiesa, plus 130 dog. Sean Brady, the up-and-comer, has never lost in MMA. He's never lost in the UFC. He's 4-0 in the UFC. He has two submission wins, one via guillotine choke over Christian Aguilera, and an arm triangle choke over once-hyped prospect Jake Matthews. That was back in March of this year. Uh, and what we've seen from him, also in the unanimous decision wins over Court McGee and Ismail Nordiav, he is a grappling machine, and when he gets on top of someone, top control is Habib-level-esque, and now he's fighting someone in Michael Chiesa, who uh, is a great grappler but is coming off a loss via Darst choke to Vicente Luke back in August of this year, uh, and that was after reeling off four wins in a row. My point being that Michael Chiesa was on a roll, ran into Vicente Luke, And now the UFC is not doing him any favors by giving him Sean Brady. This is a very tough matchup for Michael Chiesa. And it's not a no-brainer that Sean Brady wins. I mean, you're looking at minus 120 to plus 130 odd swings here. So it's a close fight. And Chiesa certainly has the advantage in being a veteran of the UFC. We haven't seen Sean Brady necessarily ever put to the test or... Um, you know, have to survive a firefight. I can't even necessarily tell you how crisp his boxing is in a phone booth fight or if, you know, it goes to the later rounds because what we've mainly seen is him just grapple killing people like a bear mauling a little sheep. Uh, so that being said, we don't think that'll happen to Michael Chiesa, though it is possible because Michael Chiesa does like to fight off his back wouldn't be the the first suggestion I'd make them off a guy like Sean Brady that's what makes the matchup interesting who you taking?
0: I'm gonna take Sean Brady and it's interesting that you said uh that you didn't expect him to get mauled like that by Sean Brady and I'm gonna be honest I kind of do um I kind of expect Sean Brady to maul him like Sean Brady has mauled some other people because listen to this like Since Michael Chiesa has come up to to welterweight, a lot of people have been like, well, his wrestling looks renewed, and he looks like he's got more health. You're right, but he's also not fighting guys who are, A, a lot bigger than him, which Sean Brady's going to be, at least size-wise. He's not taller, he's not longer, but he's bigger. He hasn't been fighting guys who are bigger than him. He hasn't been fighting guys who particularly wrestle well, right? Like, he fought Carlos Condit, he fought Diego Sanchez. Javier Dos Anjos wrestles kind of well, but you also have to remember that he is a lightweight Um, and then you got Neil Magny who is not, again, he, he maybe wrestles well, but is not real much bigger than, than Michael Chiesa. So he has not fought anybody at welterweight like Sean Brady. He has fought guys like that. If you go down to his time in, in, uh, lightweight, which include people like Kevin Lee, who took him down, moved right to his back and put him in a rear naked choke. Um, And I kind of liken the shape and takedown abilities of Sean Brady, at least stylistically, to Kevin Lee. Obviously, I think he's much better than Kevin Lee. He's in a different weight class than Kevin Lee, but he's got that kind of like stocky guy build where he takes dudes down and he goes and beats the hell out of them. Case has got some submission losses. In fact, if you go look back, four of his last five losses in the UFC have been by submission, with the only one not being by submission. A TKO to Joe Lozon. How funny is that? Um, but like, you know, he loses by submission. He's fighting a guy with great submissions. Yeah, like I, I think he's going to get taken down a hundred times here, and I think it's going to be bad.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I do wish this was five rounds. It's it's really a shame. But you know what? If Sean Brady ends up mauling him and finishing him in two rounds, then I guess it's not as much of a shame. Um, but you know, if it ends up going to decision, I, I think we're all going to be saying, man, I wish that had two more rounds, but no matter what it's, you're watching someone who clearly is a future title challenger. He has all the skills to challenge for a title in an already stacked division. That's somewhat light on marketable challengers at this point. So again, the UC matchmaking it's never by mistake. It's never, you know, random. This is such smart matchmaking because Chiesa is a name and a big name for him to build off of and say he can beat that upper. You know, Chiesa has been a guy that's been perennially kind of hovering near the top 10. Um, he recently off the four fight win streak before running into Vicente Luke crack the top 10. But at the very least, he's a name everyone recognizes. He's an ultimate fighter winner. And Sean Brady is going to build his resume off of this. It will be his biggest name to date off the win that we both assume that's coming to him. All right, let's move on. Honey is minus 115. Kung Yo Kang is a plus 100. Bantamweight fight, very tight fight. Um, again, another fight that is not large spread of, uh, not a large spread of odds. So at the very least, even if you're not over the moon about Misha Tate and Caitlin Vieira as a main event, you at least can say these top three fights are pretty close and you can make a case where you could see the underdog, you know, winning. They're not large dogs in this respect, but uh, let's talk about Kung Yo Kang, uh, who is a plus 100. He is on a, uh, do, do. He is on a three-fight win streak. He lost to Ricardo Lamas via split decision back in August of 2018. He's reeled off three wins in a row, a rear naked choke over Teruti Ishihara, a split decision over Brandon Davis, and a split decision over Wu Pengyang. Yang. Uh, that was back in December of 2019, so it's been a full year since we've seen him. Honey, uh, I love this. He's won, won, and won in his last three. He beat Ray Rodriguez via arm triangle choke. He had a draw with Enrique Barzola, a majority draw, and then he lost to Ricky Simon. If you want to peel it back further, he was on a three-fight win streak until that loss to Ricky Simon. Uh, so he's four, one, and
0: one in his last six. He's
2: the favorite here. Who you got?
0: I'm gonna go with hani Aya, Um, both because he is one of my like you know old-school guys who I'm gonna pick forever because he's uh, WEC, never die. I remember watching him submit. Mark Hominick, uh while I was still in high school. Um, so, you know, like he, he is a guy who I've been following for a really long time. But also, like, he's a grappler. He's really good at jujitsu, and he's fighting a guy who wants to get the fight to the ground in Kyung Ho Kang. Kyung Ho Kang loves to wrestle and grapple. There's a terrible idea against Hanayaya, right? Like, only the cream of the crop has ever grappled with him and come out on top. And so, yeah, I think he's going to try to wrestle him. I think that's the wrong move. If he does try to keep it on the feet, I think there's a good chance that Aya gets him down. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Aya. I like the uh, the old Wiley veteran.
2: All right. I like it. I don't disagree. Uh, let's move then to our dog of the week. It's Shah Yalan, a plus 230 over Sh- uh, Sean Soriano.
0: Yeah, so first of all, Sean Soriano is 0-4 in the UFC. He went 0-3, got fired, came back, lost again. Three of those losses are by submission. And he's fighting a guy who likes to shoot takedowns. How in the world did this dude get installed as a negative 260 favorite? It's one of the wildest things I've ever seen. I can't imagine this line stays where it is at very long. Uh, go pick the guy who's going to take down the guy who sucks at defending submissions and probably submit him pretty quickly. Uh, whether or not you know much about Yolan, uh, in or or maybe, hey, maybe you do know about him and you didn't like the fact that he lost in his debut... He looked a whole lot better than pretty much Sean Soriano has ever looked. He took down Josh Kulabau a couple of times. So, hey, I'm riding here with Sha Yulan. I think he gets the underdog victory and a pretty sizable one of that, too.
2: We're riding the Sha Yulan train all the way to Win City. All right. Or actually, in this case, Upset City. Let's go to our parlay to play. We've already talked about our love of Sean Brady. We're putting him in our parlay this week. He's a minus 150, as we already mentioned. Pair them together like peanut butter and jelly. Rub it together. Put it in a sandwich. It's gonna taste good. Pair them together with Pat Sabatini, also a minus one fifty. So two guys, two favorites at minus one fifty. But parlay them, you're gonna get plus one seventy five odds. Let's hear it.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, I like these two because they train together. So there's a reason why I like both of them. It's the uh, Henzo Gracie Philly uh, combination or the the Daniel Gracie combination. If you want to talk about their trainer. Pat Sabatini's got a similar style to Sean Brady his top game not quite as good as Sean Brady but he's an amazing wrestler and he won his UFC debut despite being a great wrestler with a gnarly heel hook like a very gnarly heel hook on Jamal Emmers he's fighting a guy who pretty much relies on wrestling in order to survive not as good at submissions as he is in Tucker Lutz not as good at wrestling as he is I don't even think so Yeah, I like Pat Sabatini here, both on the feet and with the wrestling. Uh, I think he gets it done. And as I said before, I think Sean Brady's going to maul Michael Chiesa. So when you can get nearly two to one money on the Daniel Gracie combo here, I'm all about it.
2: Well, I'm all about fights, dogs, and parlays. I'm all about this weekend's fights because we got a couple of bangers in there for UC Vegas 43. And we'll, of course, be live tweeting during the action at Top Turtle MMA. Follow along with us. Let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty with these picks. Gumby, this train is a-moving down the tracks. Where are we going next?
0: So, next, we're going to transition to my interview with Lupe Godinez, who is fighting for, get this, the third time in 43 days inside the UFC. She had a seven-day turnaround about a month ago. Now she's taking a short-notice fight. She's going to talk to us all about how that came about and her mentality surrounding fighting so often. We'll get to that interview for you right now. All right, and joining me now is Lupita Gudinez, who fights Lomaluk Bume at UFC Vegas 43. That fight is on November 20th. So, Lupita, I, I want to start it by talking about the fights that you had not even that long ago, just a month ago. Because you fought twice in seven days. And obviously, the first one, going your way, you looked great in it. The second one, also looked great, but up a weight class against a very tough opponent. Well, what are your thoughts being a month removed from this? Do you have any regrets? Are you glad you did it? Oh, I don't have any regrets.
3: No, I honestly love being, I, I love being in the, in the cage. I love fighting. It's my favorite thing. If I could, I will do it every single weekend. If I could, um, you know, I'm so happy. I got this, uh, opportunity again. Sure. fight, You know, um, I'm all, I'm all about fight anywhere, anytime, no matter who it is. Um, and I'm here now. So <laughs> I'm just enjoying my journey. You know, um, it's, uh, not many people do this, so it's uh, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I was going to ask you about that too. Like, it, obviously, whether or not you had a good time in the the seven days, you you chose to take a short notice fight again. It's now the third straight fight that you're going to have with with really out much of a training camp. Is is that weird for you?
3: No, honestly, all my fights they've been like that, like short notice fights uh, because I had a tough time uh, finding fights for myself. Um. So all the fights that I have is pretty much like two weeks notice, one and a half weeks notice, three weeks notice. So um so I'm used to it, you know, and I'm always training, I'm always uh keeping in shape. So, you know, if if I can do it, why not? If I'm not hurt, why not? And um yeah,
0: I'm I'm ready to go. Well, I love that mentality. Now I, I wanna talk about your training a little because you mentioned, you know, you're always training, you're always in shape. But in that fight with Silvana Juarez Gomez we really saw some some high-level grappling, which is something we hadn't really seen from you, obviously, in the UFC, but but not really very much on the regional circuit either. Was that something that you recently put a lot of focus in to improving, or was that something that maybe we just hadn't seen and was kind of always in your toolbox?
3: Yeah, no. I'm well-rounded. You know,
0: I'm, I can wrestle, I can kickbox, I can box,
3: I can do jiu-jitsu. I'm an MMA fighter, but... Uh, I'm growing and I'm still growing and I'm still changing so of course as I get more fights and more uh, experience I'm gonna be able to show a bit more of you know of my game
0: and and so you've you've always felt like like that grappling was was there for you like you you could have gone to that because I've watched a lot of your earlier fights and you're a great boxer and you seem to love boxing but the, the way that you dominated Gomez with with that grappling was incredible. You feel like you've always kind of had that ready to go.
3: Yeah and no and you know I always you know I'm always working you know my grappling, but I just started working with um with a new coach and it's been really um helping me. So um yeah
0: I'm just in a really good spot right now. Well, that's, that's great to hear. Now, I also, in addition to talking about that fight, I did want to talk about the loss to Luana Carolina because obviously, you know, a, a very weird situation. Seven days notice, which of course you said you were game for, but also she's up at weight class. She's a flyweight. She's a big flyweight who uses, you know, Muay Thai. She works in the clinch really well. What what did you find to be the trickiest part of that quick turnaround and fighting somebody like Luana Carolina?
3: Um. You know, I, as I say, I don't degrade anything, um, and I, I mean, I have no excuses. It was just, you know, I, um, I just didn't, I didn't win, you know, and the judges didn't see it that way. Um, I thought I won. Like after the fight, I was a little bit surprised. I thought I had maybe one on third, I believe. Um, but I, you know, they didn't see it that way. Whatever, that's fine. Move on. I'm just whatever, you know move might just move on
0: <laughs> so so being that you felt successful at flyweight right you you feel like you you banked you know if, uh, the first and the third round there you took a decision it was really a close fight D- did you do you expect to do more fighting at flyweight as well or or is that kind of you know something if it comes up I'll do it but or, or are you all about doing you know multiple divisions whenever you can
3: yeah no like my division is 115 for sure I'm I'm small <laughs> um but you know um i got the the opportunity and i took it you know who knows if i get the opportunity you know i I may take it i may not depends what am i doing uh but at, at that time i wanted to take it and i took it i have no you know i'm not planning on anything really but it's just you know my weight class is 115 for sure
0: that makes a lot of sense now before we get to talking about the next fight i do have one more question about this quick turnaround uh, obviously, you know, you you are a, uh, like you said, a, a straw weight. So the the weight cut in in the making 125 probably not terribly hard, but but can you tell us did did you still have to cut weight for that second fight? Was there like a whole second weight cut in 2 days and if so, w- what was that like? Oh
3: no, I was 121 when I stepped on the scale.
0: So 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 you just you you just not you didn't do any exercise and you didn't watch what you were eating. You were just stepped right on there, you were good to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, that that's certainly good that you didn't have to do two. So so let's talk about this upcoming fight. So you're fighting Loma Luke eh, who she she's a lot smaller than your last opponent. Obviously, she's fought all yeah. the way down to at atom weight, but she's also somewhat stylistically similar to Carolina, right? Like Luana Carolina and her both employ Muay Thai striking. Do you like that you're getting kind of a similar opponent back to back with with not that much time to prepare for? Her? Yeah, I think it's cool.
3: You know, um, I'm ready for it. And, and as you say, she's a straw weight. I'm mean, a straw weight. She's, she, she even used to be an Atom weight. So um, she'll be fine. I'm excited, honestly. I'm really excited.
0: And, and do you expect to have kind of that physicality advantage in there, being that she used to be an Atom weight? Obviously, she's very strong for, for straw weight now as well. But do you feel like you are going to be the bigger, more physical opponent in there? Mm,
3: could be. We just need to wait for Saturday, I guess. <laughs> but uh, probably, yes.
0: <laughs> all right. So and, and obviously I don't want you to give away any of your game plan here because you are leading into a fight uh, without really much time to game plan. But I'm curious, being that she is a striker, do you feel like you have a, an inherent advantage on the ground or do you feel like this is a fight where you can keep this standing and outbox her too?
3: well I'll see how I feel that day you know I'm gonna feel her out let's see what's um you know what what is she showing me what is she giving me what is she not giving me and go from there I believe I'm ready I'm you know I'm well-rounded and I'm ready to go
0: all right well we are certainly looking forward to it and once again fans this is Lupita Gudinez who fights Loma Luke Bume at UFC Vegas 43 that fight is on November 20th this Saturday Lupita thank you so much for the time I really appreciate it Thank you. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social and Better Than Vegas, and remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram, at Top Turtle MMA. Until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby vreeland He's Shockwave Dave Tremante, and we will see you then.